The employment hour, the number to call, very simple, 1-855-821-5900. You want to send an email, it's Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Lots to get through. We'll get to the Ten Commandments, not the biblical type, the ones of terminations of employment, the ones I can actually speak to. Um, but first, we always get to the week that was. That's right, John. Thank you. No, we're not turning into a, a religious show, but we will talk about... Well, this about is factual. This, this is factual. stuff you can use. Yeah, it's all stuff you can use. Uh, <laughs> ten Commandments of, of Employment Law or Termination of Employment. But I always like to start off uh, with the week uh, that was a couple of situations that I saw in the previous week. And by the way, before I forget, uh, you know, show is airing on Sunday. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's yep. Day to all the mothers out there. Hopefully you guys are, are being treated very well by, uh, by your loved ones. But let's talk about employment law. Let's talk about workplace rights. Uh, I'll start off with a story, John, that I uh, actually resolved this week. It involved a lady that had worked uh, for a company a long time, about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And then five years ago, she got into a very serious car accident, unfortunately. And had been off work ever since. She'd been uh, receiving uh, payments from a disability insurance company. And uh, very recently, got better uh, to the point that she and the insurance company decided that it's time for her to get off the insurance and that she can try to return back to work. Yep. And you see, I think, where this is going. Oh, yeah. She contacted her employer saying, I'm ready to return to work. I'm, I'm going to need some uh, modified duties. And the response from the employer is, what, what do you want from us? We haven't heard from you in five years. You're not an employee here. You're gone. We don't owe you anything. <laughs> well, the reason why you know uh, John is kind of smirking over there is because John knows better, and that is not the case. The fact that you were gone for a few years in such a scenario does not end the employment relationship. She continued to be an employee. The employer knew what she was doing. They knew that she was on the insurance uh, coverage. It was the employer's insurance plan. If they wanted more information, they could have asked her for more information. You can't simply say, well, we haven't heard from you, therefore you're not employed. It doesn't work that way. So what, what did this employer end up doing? Well, effectively, they've terminated her employment. They also acted in violation, arguably, of the Human Rights Code. So yeah, this employer really now had to deal with a 25-year employee. Wow. So we settled this uh, uh, this case in the previous week on the basis of right around 24 months pay plus uh, compensation for her legal fees. So it was a very good result. And the, it's a very important lesson for both employers and employees. Your employment doesn't end just because you're off on a disability leave. It doesn't end automatically. If the employer wants to end it, the employer can end it in some situations. There's payment that has to be made, but it doesn't end just because you are unable to work. It uh, doesn't matter if you're gone for a week, a month, a year, five years, as it was in this case. So uh, very important for everyone to recall that. And if you are in that situation, if your employer is treating you as having resigned or the employment is being terminated because you are off on a disability leave, you have to give me a call. You know, it's an interesting uh, point there you snuck in, and I think you should, uh, we should highlight it, is the fact that along with the settlement for the uh, the severance to 24 months, legal fees were also included in there. Oh, yeah. And that's the apprehension when people call and they worry about getting a case going where it's really worth to do. L- let me tell you this, John. You know, if every settlement that I have done, and I have done thousands, literally. I mean, I, I, if I try to count them, I won't be able to. I can't count that high. But in every settlement that I've ever done, as part of the settlement, it's negotiated that the company pays for the individual's legal fees. So mm-hmm. that's not an issue, and that's exactly what happened in this case. So no one should ever, ever hesitate to make the right. call because they're concerned about legal fees. Uh, I can honestly tell you in most cases that's a non-issue at all. Next one. Next one, John. Yep. I, I, in the past year on the show, I've mentioned our website, uh, one of the websites we have, which is uh, terminationquestions.com. It's a website that allows everyone or anyone 
to ask questions in an anonymous way. We can uh, ask the questions online. We post the answer right there. So it's a very useful way to get information. And in the past, I've talked about some questions that we got where people were concerned about the things that maybe should, they should not have been concerned about when the real problem was something else. Well, I got one very recently that's a good example of that. Uh, another lady, she lost her job, and she was uh, emailing us or she was uh, posting a question being upset that her employer boxed her belongings in, in the workplace. The, what she was upset about is that, you know, without her knowing the employer went to the office that she was using when she was working, got all belonging, belongings and, and boxed them up. Right. And, you know, why should they be going through my belongings? And she was asking me, can they do this? Can they box my belongings? Well, the short answer to the short question is yes, they can. But the real question she should have been asking is- As you dug deeper. Yeah, is <laughs> I lost my job. Did they offer me enough severance? Right. Am I paid what I'm owed? So I told her that. So let me let's talk about your severance. And in talking to her, we realized yes, she was not paid what she <laughs> was owed. She was offered three months pay when she was owed about six months pay. So I'm now in the process of helping her resolve her severance issue and getting her the compensation that she is owed. And again, it started with her being concerned about whether or not the employer can box her belongings. I get that often, John. People don't necessarily understand. They assume that just because their employer offered them something, it must be good. It must be appropriate. Hopefully our regular listeners know by now that in almost every case, that's not the case. So I encourage people always, 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 if you lost your job, to get some advice, use the severance calculator, let's talk about it. And if you want to ask a question about your entitlements, go to terminationquestions.com. And she was end up sweating the small stuff, box of crap on her desk. Meanwhile, she's getting 50 cents on the dollar yeah. for her severance. And, and again, I, I'm not trying to make fun of her at sure, all. Don't. I mean, most people are, are, are you know under misapprehensions in the same way. And I get a lot of these types of questions. People asking me, you know, now that I lost my job, does my employer have to give me a record of employment? Do they have to pay me my vacation pay? All these questions when, in fact, they're owed potentially tens of thousands of dollars and they don't even realize it. So very important for everyone to understand. The number to call as we go into a break is one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some emails here in just a bit. We'll tell you about a very interesting tool called the Severance Pay Calculator. That and the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. That's all coming up. It's all very powerful stuff here in the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. Before we get to the 10 commandments of terminations of employment, sounds all very powerful. We'll uh, get to that first. Give me uh, some details on the severance pay calculator. Bob. Yeah, you heard me mention it before the break. Mm-hmm. The severance pay calculator, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very useful, handy, accurate tool that allows you to figure out how much compensation you're owed if you lost your job. The, the address for this is severancepaycalculator.com. It's completely free. It's easy, easy to use. You answer three simple questions anonymously, and it tells you right there how many weeks or months pay you are owed. So you don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to think about whether or not what you've been offered is fine. You, you can find out in about 25 seconds if it's fine or not. So you go to severancepaycalculator.com. Make it the very first place you go to if you lost your job. If you've heard now you, you, you were watering your lawn and you heard from your neighbor that he just lost his job, 
tell them to go to severancepaycalculator.com. You'll be helping them out. It's completely free and anonymous. Let's get to the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. I will read these. You expand on each one. The first commandment, thou shalt, uh, thou shalt think about termination when accepting a new job. That's right. And, yes. and that's, that's the first time you have to think about termination of employment. You don't think about termination of employment only when you lost your job. The, probably the best time to think about it, the best time you can actually do something about it, is when you accept a job, when you negotiate new terms of employment. Thou shalt think about termination when accepting a new job. Why? Well, in an employment agreement, oftentimes what you will see is a term that tries to limit your mm-hmm. future severance. So you may sign an employment agreement that says, employee, if we let you go in the future, we're only going to give you this amount of severance, and that amount could represent a fraction of what you mm-hmm. otherwise uh, would be owed. So you work really hard on negotiating your salary and your bonus and your vacation, not realizing that you're on the very first day you're starting, you may have already given up tens of thousands of dollars. So very important Think about termination of employment. Look to see whether or not your employment agreement contains terms that deal with the issue of termination. If you don't understand what they mean or what the effect of those terms are, give me a call. It's what I do for a living. I can translate that to you in simple English and tell you if you should be concerned about it or not. Very, very important. Uh, The problem with not doing that is down the road, a year, two years, 10 years, if your employment comes to an end, you'll realize that you gave up your rights. Now you're uh, left without a job and without the money that you would otherwise be getting. So now's the time to think about it. When you accept a job, you'll be very happy you did down the road. It's basically covering yourself on the back end is what it is. That's exactly what it is. And you know, you, you wouldn't uh, agree to, uh, an, uh, you would never agree to something that's unfavorable if you knew about it. Most people agree to those terms because they don't know any better. And mm-hmm. here's the thing, John, it's actually quite easy to negotiate those yep. terms. If you raise those with your employer in the proper way, oftentimes you can change those, you can eliminate those. And ultimately, what does that do? It gives you more job security. You know that you have your job and your employer cannot just terminate your employment at any time without compensation. So very important, think about termination of employment when you accept a job. What I mean by that is look to see whether the employment offer that you've accepted or you're about to accept, whether it has language, terms, dealing with the issue of termination. You know, it's funny, last time I went through this process, um, I did exactly that. And it was funny, I went back and forth with the employer before I signed the agreement, and they, and they kind of chuckled. They said, you know, we're not letting you go, we're actually hiring you. I said, yeah, it, it's okay, trust me, Chief, I'm going to yeah. take care of myself in the back end. Because you've heard me talk about exactly. this on the radio, so right. you knew what to look for. And, right. you know, hopefully that never becomes an issue. Hopefully you're happily employed till you retire. But if at some point your position comes to an end, you'll be very, very happy to know that you've addressed that, you've you've secured yourself down the road, you and your family are going to be very thankful that you've done that. That's exactly what our listeners should be doing. The Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Number two, thou shall not assume that it cannot happen to you. Yeah, (laughs) very important. A lot of people think that it cannot happen to them, uh, that it's something that only can happen if you're a bad employee, if you've done something wrong. The reality is, John, a termination of employment can happen anytime and for any reason. That's why you have to always understand what your legal rights. Pay attention to some of the other things we're going to talk about today when, when it comes to the Ten Commandments. It can happen at any time. And the vast majority of people that come to me and talk to me about losing their job, they didn't see it coming. They walked into the office one day, to the workplace one day. They were called into a meeting. They had no idea what the meeting was about, only to find out that they lost their job. So be prepared for it. Unfortunately, it can happen. Uh, these days, you know, uh, most people that when they start working, 
are not going to be working for 15 or 20 or 25 years like they used to back in the day. Most employment tends to be for a shorter duration. So so be mindful of your legal rights and don't assume that it cannot happen to you. Most people don't see it coming. It's, you know, they know they're doing a good job. They know they're not going to get fired in that regard. But sometimes you know the bean counter's upstairs. They're looking to save a few shekels and you might be on the chopping block. You have no way of knowing that. So you got to be protected. You, right? No way of knowing that and no way to, to avoid that. So you have to be prepared. Know your legal rights and, and you know don't uh, assume that it, something can only happen to bad people. It can happen to many, many good people and often does. one 821 5900 is the number. We'll get to one more here before we break. We're talking the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Number three, thou shall respond to any negative reviews or discipline. That's right. One of the worst things that you can do if your employer is building a case against you is not respond. And what I mean by building a case is you're getting negative reviews, you're getting a performance improvement plan, maybe you've received a warning, maybe even a suspension, and you're silent about about it, Just sucking it up. Very bad idea. In this context, John, silence is almost the same as acceptance, as agreeing. If you have agreed to something, it's going to be very difficult to dispute it down the road. Now, if you if you screwed up and it's all legitimate, fine. But if there's something you disagree with the discipline, with the performance allegations that they've made, you have to go on the record and address those. Voice your disconcern or your, your concern. Voice your uh, disagreement. Because what does that do? That makes it that much more difficult for the employer to try to build a case against you if you're on the record not accepting it. It's very difficult to terminate someone for cause if an employer is trying to build a case against you to push you out for cause, which means you're not going to get compensation. You have to respond. You can't just lay there and let that happen. You have to go on the record. You have to make your position known. uh, And it's fine to do that. It's absolutely fine. I never want someone to accept something that they don't agree with, you'll be glad down the road that you didn't do that. We're going to discuss how to exactly do that and respond to that discipline as our third commandment, but we'll take a short break first. one 821 Lior, at employmenthour.com. Lots more coming up. Stay tuned. It's the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number, one 821 5900 anytime, and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get an email here in just a moment. The uh, Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment, the third one was, thou shall respond to any negative reviews or discipline. So how does one, if you're listening, you're probably thinking, okay, I get it. How do I respond? It doesn't have to be very complicated. It could be as simple as you sending an email to whoever's made the allegation. By the way, the reason I say email is because you want it in writing. Okay, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. It's vapor. It it's nothing. vapor. It doesn't exist. No one knows about it. Disappears the moment you, the words come out of your mouth. So, uh, I want you to have a, an email, a letter, some memo that you've done, anything where you you outline why you disagree with the negative review, why you disagree with the discipline, and outline what actually happened. Okay. So if they say you've done something wrong and you didn't say it. Send an email to the boss, send an email to HR, send an email to both of them mm-hmm. saying, here's what actually happened. Here's why the allegations against me are wrong. It's okay to do that. You can't be punished for doing that. You're helping yourself. You're going to make your situation much better down the road. The email is Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to one from Barry writes in, says, my colleagues and I just found out that the company we work for will be shutting down at the end of the month. The owner of the company told us that because there are only five employees, we don't get severance. Is that right? 
Well, John, what do you think? Is it uh, right, John? It's a big bowl of wrong <laughs> yeah, right there. Right. Copyright John Scholes. <laughs> yeah, it, it is absolutely wrong. It, it's not even close. And it's one of the big misconceptions. We've talked about this before on the show, John, that uh, a lot of, one of the misconceptions is that the size of the company or the size of the company's payroll dictates whether they have to pay severance. So let's lay that to rest. That is wrong. doesn't matter whether you work for a company with one employee or a thousand employees. You are entitled to severance. In fact, you're entitled to the same amount of severance, big company or small company. Your severance, again, is based on three factors, your age, your position, and the length of your employment, not the size of the company's payroll. So in this case, the email that we got from Barry, Barry, that's wrong. You've been wrongfully dismissed. Of course you're owed severance. So you, your colleagues, have to give me a call as soon as possible. Let's make sure we get you the severance. And I promise you, this is going to be extremely easy to do. Barry, that number and for everyone else as well, one 821 5900 The Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment, we are down to number four, says thou shall not commit serious workplace misconduct. Well, maybe that should have even been the first commandment. You know, thou yeah. shall not commit serious workplace misconduct. Because guess what? If you do commit serious workplace misconduct, you're going to be fired. You're going to be fired for cause, and there's not going to be a lot that I or anyone can do. Now, the words serious misconduct are key here. Because in order to be uh, for the employer to let someone go for cause, that employee really has to be guilty of some very, very serious type of behavior. So I'm not talking about being late. I'm not talking about screwing up on the, on the project. I'm not even talking about using inappropriate language in the workplace. I'm talking about things such as uh, violence, theft, uh, harassment, mm-hmm. those types of things. If, if you've stolen from your employer, guess what? I'm not going to be able to help you. If you've hit your employer, guess what? I'm not going to be able to help you. So don't do those things. Short of those things, John, short of, short of those serious types of misconduct, if you have been let go, you are very, very likely owed severance. Mm-hmm. It's really only these serious types of misconduct that disentitles you from severance. So for our listeners, maybe you've done something wrong and that's why you lost your job, but that's not the end of the analysis. You may have done something wrong and are still owed severance. Again, unless it's theft, violence, etc. So don't commit serious misconduct. Anything less than that, if you lost your job, guess what? You are entitled to severance. Starts with a phone call, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We're talking the 10 commandments of termination of employment. Number five, thou shalt always keep copies of all relevant documents. All relevant documents. And here's what I mean by that. Well, there's really no, no end, but an employment agreement. Definitely want to see that. Yeah. So if you, you've been hired, keep a copy of an employment agreement. You always want to have that handy. If there's a, a bonus plan document that, that you are aware of, keep a copy. Have a copy available to you. There's an employee handbook manual. Uh, again, keep a copy. If there's a performance review that you received, a performance improvement plan, I'd like to see that if you lost your job. Again, you want to keep copies of all relevant documents because th- those are going to help me when I'm trying to help you to get your entitlements, if I can review those documents and understand exactly what the issues are, it may also help me understand what additional amounts you're owed. So always, always keep copies of relevant documents. People assume, you know, you know I signed an agreement, who cares? Once I sign that, it's irrelevant for me, so I'm going to throw it in the garbage. No, you need to have a copy of that employment agreement, every relevant document. It's always important to have. Mm-hmm. It's going to be especially important when you lose your job if that happens. And that comes right down to uh, your uh, uh, your benefits, any sort of profit sharing, keep all your T4s, everything. You need it all. You need it all. You right. need it all. You, you should. It's always good practice to have it, but certainly if you lost your job, 
it becomes even more important. Now, not to say that if you don't have them and you lost your job, that's it. Not at all. Doesn't mean you're you're not going to be able to get what you're owed. But it just it's a, it's a less one less step we have to mm-hmm. deal with. Uh, it makes it faster if you have those documents. So def- definitely one of the commandments: keep copies of all relevant documents throughout the course of employment. Richard emails in quickly here, says, I just found out that some new employees my company has hired get more vacation than I do. Can they Can they do that? Interesting. I think actually Richard may have emailed me to the office as well because I, I recall an email like that. Uh, the short answer is yes. What I mean by that is when you're in a non-union environment, every employee has his or her own terms of mm-hmm. employment. So you may have an agreement with your employer where you get two weeks vacation and they may hire someone and agree to give them three weeks. Now, that may be unfair. There may also be bad HR practices, but it's not illegal. So an employer can decide to give different vacation to different people as long as it's not a discriminatory reason. So if they say, you know, for women, we're going to give less vacation than men, that's illegal. That's discrimination. You can't do that. But if they say, you know what, we uh, we like John more than we like Bob, so we're going to give John more vacation. Again, that's probably not a good practice, right. but it's illegal. So it's very likely that uh, in the situation that Richard emailed that the employer is not actually doing something illegal. one 821 5900 Write that number down. Have it with you at all times, especially in times when you need to give Lior a call. You want to send an email through? Lior at employmenthour.com is the email. We'll take a short break. Lots more of the show coming up. We'll continue with the uh, the top five of the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment right here on the Employment Hour. Talk radio, AM 640 and AM 900, CHML. 1-855-821-5900 is the number to call Lior anytime or Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get back into this, the 10 commandments of termination of employment. Number six, thou shalt keep records of all important events. Yes. Yeah, so what I mean by that, John, is... The boat cruise. Yes. <laughs> that, not that one. <laughs> okay. Not that one. Uh, important events, in other words, things that, that uh, are relevant to your employment. So if your employer is uh, suspending you, for example, or your employer is mistreating you, you want to have a record of that. If your employer is doing something to you that they're not supposed to and there's no record of it, you want to have a record yourself. Okay. So maybe your employer is yelling at you or your employer is using unprofessional language towards you. Or uh, you had a discussion with your employer and you say, gosh darn it, I wish I had a record of that. Right. Well, you know what? You create a record. Have a log, a diary, send someone an email confirming what happened, what was said. You may need that down the road, uh, especially if your employer is going to allege cause. Maybe it's going to be a constructive dismissal. We may want to take the position that you were mistreated to the point that now you've been constructively dismissed because of the workplace harassment that you faced you've been uh, constructively dismissed. In that situation, we're going to need some sort of a record of what happened. Your word against someone else's is not the best way to go about it. So if you're harassed, mistreated, if there's something you really wish there was a record of and you say, you know, I can't do anything about it. There's no record. Of course you could do something. You can create a record yourself. Anything important in the workplace that should be documented, it's up to you, the individual, the employee to document. You're going to need that if your employment comes to an end. You're going to need that when getting some legal advice. Very important to do. The Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment, number seven on our list, thou shall not get advice from your neighbor, Steve. Yeah, and or, or from your neighbor, John, John or yeah, Bob, or any other name, especially John, yeah. or online, or from the Ministry of Labor, for that matter. Uh, Google or, University. Or, that. On a, yep. or, or on a message board. Mm-hmm. You cannot, because there's so many misconceptions out there, John. We've spent three years here on this show talking about these misconceptions, and you're going to invariably get the wrong uh, legal advice, or you know, I, I say legal in quotation marks, so it's not legal advice. 
the wrong advice if you speak to your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor, I lost my job. They've offered me a week's pay. Is that good? And your neighbor says, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. I'm sure it's fine. And you rely on that. Well, you have no one to blame but yourself. One of the worst things you can do is get advice when it comes to termination of employment from someone that's not an employment lawyer. And if you don't like me, then talk to another employment lawyer. But you have to get advice or just as easy or easier Go to severancepaycalculator.com. It's your job to make sure you're informed. It's not someone else's job to inform you. So again, severancepaycalculator.com. Call me, get advice. Only speak to those people that know what they're talking about. If you were sick, John, you wouldn't be speaking to your neighbor, Steve, unless your neighbor, Steve, was a doctor and saying, you know, should I be concerned about this growth on my back, right? You would be going to a doctor and having a doctor tell you whether you should be concerned. Same thing applies. Same thing applies. 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com to send us an email. Jessica, right, says, I'm the only woman on the shop floor at my company and I'm constantly put down and subjected to demeaning comments. I've spoken to my boss and nothing's been done. Do I have a choice? Do I have to quit? Well, interesting situation and and kind of ties into what we were talking before about keeping records. I would like ideally for Jessica to have some documentation, some record kept of what's been said. So if she's been misspoken to, if someone's putting her down, have some sort of a log where you document this. Maybe send an email to the boss telling them that that's happened so that we can show that we've tried to address this with the boss. Ultimately, if you're being harassed in the workplace, if your employer won't do anything about it, that's illegal. That's a constructive dismissal. The employer then would have created a work situation that makes it very difficult to continue working. You can treat that as a termination of employment, leave and get severance. So I don't want, Jessica, uh, very important, I don't want you to, to resign right now I need you to try to document as best you can. Send an email to the boss telling him what's happening so there's that written record. Have a log, a diary, something. Give me a call. Let's talk about more ways to document this. And when we have some documentation, if things still don't get better, then we may be able to extract you from that workplace and get you compensation. But we need to do our homework first and build up our, our, our case first. We're talking the uh, top three now of the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Number eight is thou shall assume that your severance offer is inadequate. You yeah. Bet. So you should start with that assumption, John. If you lost your job and you're looking at a severance offer, before you even read it, assume that it's inadequate. And, and why do I say that? I say that because statistically speaking, well over 90% are inadequate. Okay, so chances are if you're a betting man, you're betting every dollar you have on yours being inadequate. So if you start with that assumption, you're gonna be more careful. You're gonna wanna get some advice. You're gonna use the severance calculator. You're not just gonna uh, believe the employer. If you start with the assumption that it must be right, Hmm. well then unfortunately you're gonna be sorely disappointed and two years later when you learn that it wasn't good enough, there's going to be nothing that you can do about it. So we'll always to, assume. We'll always get to assume. number nine. One more here. We'll save the uh, the best till after the break. We'll get to our last one here, our second last one, number nine on the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. Thou shall not sign. Thou shall not sign. Wow. And, you know, I think it, it, it comes down to that. You've been offered a severance package. What does the severance package have, John? It has a deadline, right? Yes. It's going to say you have to sign by Friday at 5, Tuesday at 4, whatever it is. And you're going to feel that that urge. The You're going to feel compelled to sign because yep. you're going to be worried. Do I have a choice? They tell me I have to sign or else. 
Thou shall not sign. You will not, should not, under any circumstances, sign that offer. Why? Because that offer, as I said previously with the previous commandment, is not good. It's not even close usually to being good. So what you're going to sign and accept an offer that's not good, potentially leaving tens of thousands of dollars that right. you wrote on the table. And by the way, John, once you've signed, you can't do anything about it. You can't get out of it when you realize a year later that you should not have signed. So thou shall not sign at least now without using the calculator or at least without getting some legal advice first. And it won't be taken off the table if you say, I want to go talk to somebody. No, it won't right? be. It won't be. Let's make it very simple. If your employer is offering you less money than that they owe you, that's a good deal for the employer, right? right. They're offering you less money. So they're not going to take this offer off the table because it's a good deal for them. They'd love for you to accept that deal, whether it's tomorrow or next year, because they are saving money. For but sure. you accepting that. So don't worry about those deadlines. They mean absolutely nothing. Make sure you get legal advice before you sign off on a severance offer. Take a quick break. We'll get to the last of the Ten Commandments of Termination of Employment. In the meantime, one 821 5900 and Lee or at The Employment Hour rolls on on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's the number anytime to get a hold of Lior and Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to it. This is it. Number ten or number one, depending on which way you count. The top ten commandments of termination of employment. Here you go. Thou shall use the severance calculator. Oh, call Lior. Do one or the other. Both. That's, or both. By the way, I'm feeling very religious now. We had yeah. the Ten Commandments. Wow. That's you got an aura around you yeah. for some uh, reason. Yeah. yeah. Well, in any event, uh, probably, you know, this, this sounds self-serving. I understand. I get it. But I, I, it's true. It's a fact. You have to get legal advice. So the Tenth Commandment is use the severance calculator if you lost your job. Call me. Call an employment lawyer. You don't like Lior. Lior seems like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Fine. Find, find someone else to speak to, but speak to someone that's the only way you can make sure your legal rights are protected, your family is protected, that you have the money you need once you lost your job to pay your bills, to pay your mortgage, to pay uh, university, uh, and all, all those things you need to pay for when you lost your job. That severance is your insurance policy. That severance is the money that's legally owed to you. And the way you make sure you get that, or at least to know if you should be getting that, is you use the severance calculator. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. You call me. We've been giving out the number. Very important. You cannot, should not ever, ever uh, walk away from your legal entitlements without doing that first. one 821 5900 is that number. Before we get into some uh, some points and talking points about workplace uh, harassment, I want to mention that as well, that uh, A, the two weeks or one week per year that you'll get from the Ministry of Labor is completely incorrect. And finally, as a caller alerted us last week on the show, they finally put something up saying, you know what? This might not be all you're entitled to, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, for years and years, you, you've heard me on the show, uh, if you've been listening regularly, talking about the Ministry of Labor and the fact that they give incorrect uh, legal information. They only tell you about your minimum entitlements when you lost your job. Now, your full entitlements, that's misleading. So you, if you call the Ministry of Labor or you go on the Ministry of Labor's website, you're going to only find out what your minimum entitlements, not knowing that you may have additional entitlements that could be 10 times that much. Right. Well, apparently what's happened now, the Ministry of Labor has finally realized this. They're, they're sick and tired of me calling them out on what they've been doing wrong. So now they've added uh, some language, at least on their website, saying, wait a second, these are only your minimum entitlements. You may well have additional entitlements, and you should get some legal advice about nice. those. That's wonderful. That's the one thing they should have been doing years and years ago. I don't know why it took so many years to do that. 
Hopefully they do the same thing for people that call them on the phone. They tell them the same information. That's a step in the right direction. But remember, ultimately, the Ministry of Labor cannot help you if you lost your job. For that, you're on your own. For that, you have to get some legal advice. Talk about workplace harassment. We get emails and questions about this topic all the time. So how does the law define workplace harassment? Yeah, and it's a very broad definition. Ultimately, it's the type of conduct that reasonably would be considered to be offensive or unwelcome uh, and uh, that happens in the workplace. So that's very, very broad. Any conduct that's uh, unwelcome and offensive. So you know, your mileage may vary than mine. You know, you may be more sensitive than my, myself or vice versa. But ultimately, we're looking for this objective person. If an objective person were to look at the conduct, would they, that objective person say that that's inappropriate? And if you've been subjected to... Uh, workplace harassment, that type of conduct that the law would not approve of, the law would be considering as not something that's appropriate in the workplace, that's workplace harassment, and the law does provide for remedies in those situations. And it's important for our listeners to know that it's not one of those situations where you just have to grin and bear it. The law does provide protections, and, and you're not out there having to deal with it on your own without any hope. All your experience over the years, how common is it? You know, workplace harassment, it's not something that when I started my career about 15 years ago that, that we'd hear a lot about. Uh, it just wasn't something that was talked about. It's not that employers were better or that employees were not being harassed. I just think that, uh, you know, that was before, for the most part, the Internet was, was very prominent. And it wasn't something that people were talking about. Nowadays, workplace harassment is extremely common. Probably one of the top two or three issues that I deal with in my practice uh, at my law firm is dealing with workplace harassment. Happens all the time. And employees oftentimes are, are you know, feeling kind of hopeless, feeling that there's nothing that they can do. Uh, employers, maybe it's a sign of the economy, uh, t- times you know, being tough. They have to tighten belts and they take that on on the employee. Ultimately, it's, it's, it is a very, very common scenario, John. Uh, describe typical situation. A typical situation would involve uh, an employee who's either being mistreated by a boss or a coworker. By mistreated, I mean they're being talked to in, in an offensive way, in an inappropriate way. They're not being respected. Maybe they're being yelled at or profane language is being used. Uh, and either it's, again, a boss, the person that, that's actually uh, you're reporting to, or a coworker, someone you're working shoulder to shoulder with every day. And, you know, if you spend all these hours at work and, you know, we spend five days at least at work uh, to be subject to this regular harassment, as you can imagine, John, will be very, very uh, trying and problematic for any employee. I think we had an email a short time ago from Jessica about some, uh, you know, living uh, or at least working on a, on a floor with a lot of misogynistic comments coming her way. So that would qualify as well. Too, that right? would absolutely co- uh, qualify. And that, that could actually be what we call discriminatory harassment in the sense that she's being harassed because she is a woman as opposed to being harassed because her employer is a jerk. Those are very different things. If you're being harassed because of a prohibited ground, so you're being harassed because of your race or ethnicity or because you have a medical condition or because you're a woman, etc., that's discrimination over and above the harassment, what we call discriminatory harassment, which also makes it, other than just being illegal, makes it also a human rights violation. So in, the, in that situation you've talked about, that was my impression. She was the only woman. She was being mistreated, very chauvinistic atmosphere. So that, to me, would be a human rights violation right there. And there would be additional damages possibly if it came down the, came down the pike, right? Absolutely. Additional yeah. compensation for having your human rights breached, for being discriminated against. The law does come down pretty hard on, on those offenders, for sure. 
We'll take a break. The number one 821 5900 Anytime to get a hold of Lior, you want to shoot us an email, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. The Employment Hour continues here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. one 821 5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. We're talking about uh, the topic of workplace harassment. So is it more common with men or women or is, there, is it even now? You know, it, it's it's funny. I mean, I, I think if we ask more people, you know, who is more likely to be harassed, a man or a woman, most people would say that woman is likely to be harassed more. That's not been my experience. Okay, wow. I, I I see equal amounts of of harassment, uh, where both the either men or women are are the victims of harassment, and you know, women may be more subject to discriminatory harassment, being harassed because they're a woman, whereas a man is not going to be harassed because he's a man. He may just be harassed because the people that he was working with are jerks. Right. But I see that's very, very common. So don't think that just because you're a guy, you can't be harassed. In many cases, you, you can, and it does happen. And again, there's recourse. You don't just have to, to, to grin and bear it. Well, that, that was my next question. A lot of people, unfortunately, have been and will continue to just suck it up and then you know, get an ulcer over it. But what should an employee do if they're harassed? Well, the first thing you don't do, or the, the one thing you don't do, is you, you ignore it because it's not going to get better. Okay, These things, unless it's a one-off and your shirt's a one-off, these things don't get better. The first thing that I would usually recommend doing, if possible, is to see if the matter can be resolved internally. Can you speak with a boss, an HR person, an owner of the business to address this issue and give them at least an opportunity to try to fix the problem, either to uh, investigate and take measures or, or do something to fix the problem? If you've done that and they've done nothing, or maybe it's impossible to go to the boss because it's the boss himself right. that's the one harassing you, then you have to deal with it externally. We need to talk at that point because what we may be able to do if it's a bad situation and uh, and you've been harassed, we may be able to extract you from that workplace and get you compensation, get you severance and additional compensation as well so that you don't have to go to work every day and suffer. So try to resolve it internally as much as possible. If you cannot resolve, resolve it internally, if you've tried, uh, for it's, uh, it's just not possible, then you give me a call. That may be a constructive dismissal. That could be human rights issues. Don't, uh, don't just stay there and suffer. In many cases, John, when people continue to suffer, eventually they end up on, end up on a disability leave. Yeah. They're suffering from anxiety and depression, et cetera. Don't let that happen to you. So if you do, desire, do and when you decide to tackle it, I guess uh, going back to number six in our Ten Commandments of Termination, now shall always keep copies, right? Make sure you make a permanent record of you complaining about it, so on and so forth. Yeah. A, a lot of the times, the harassment is not something that's documented. It's verbal. Someone doesn't speak to me properly. Someone yells at me. Someone curses me. Uh, And there's really not going to be a record of that. So as I said, we have to, as much as possible, try to create a record, have a log, a diary, send an email to someone confirming what happened, have something in writing, if at all possible, that's contemporaneous, that confirms what actually happened. Uh, It's going to make it that much better to resolve it because if you don't have a record, I'm I'm pretty sure that the person that was harassing you is not just going to put up his or her hand and say, yes, I did it. They're going to deny it. So if you have contemporaneous records, guess what? You're going to be believed. They won't be believed. How about the other side of the table? What does the employer do if they've received harassment allegations? Well, what the employer does not do or should not do is ignore it. The employer can't say, ah, you know, boys will be boys and, you know, it's just the way it is. Suck it up. Suck it up. and, And by the way, I've heard that so many times. Bad, bad idea. You have to take it seriously. Why? Well, there's several reasons. 
Number one, the law requires you to take it seriously. There's legislation in this province, in every province, in fact, that requires you to, to investigate and take measures to try to uh, rectify workplace harassment. So that's reason number one, you have to. Reason number two, you want to, because you don't want to have employees going off on disability. You don't want to have the type of workplace that's now unproductive, that's poisoned. Uh, that's just a very, very bad idea. So an employer has to investigate, take these allegations seriously, determine whether the employer itself is going to investigate or if they're going to bring someone from the outside, a neutral right. person to investigate. And once the investigation is done, if you determine that there's a legitimacy and validity to the complaint, you have to take measures. Maybe you have to discipline someone. Maybe you have to provide some sort of a training, sensitivity training. Maybe there's other things you, you can do, but you cannot ignore and you cannot just pretend it didn't happen. one 821 5900 is Lior's number and Lior at employmenthour.com through email. Leslie writes in, says, I work for a very large retailer and was let go with six months severance after 10 years of employment. I assume that this was fine, but after using the calculator, the severance pay calculator, it says I should get 12 months severance. Can this be? Well, yeah, it, it absolutely can be. And what we've just received here is probably one of the most common emails that I get in my office, John. People are using the calculator and then contacting me and saying, you know, the cal- calculator says I should be getting 12 months pay as an example. Is that right? Can it be? Because it's so much more right. than what my employers offered me. Well, the answer is yes. Not only can it be, it is. It is right. It is accurate. So yes, in this situation, if the calculator says it's 12 months, that guess what? It's right around 12 months. And if you've been offered six months, then that's half of what you're owed. Very, very common situation. Mm -hmm. Extremely common. So I'm I'm glad that you went to the severance calculator. Uh, Hopefully all our listeners will do the same thing if and when they're in that situation and, and tell others. So the severance calculator is accurate. I created it myself. It's there to perform a function, which is to tell you what you are owed, to tell you the truth. Your employer is going to tell you what your employer wants you to know, not what you need to know. So again, severancepaycalculator.com. We'll wrap with one final email. Fred writes in, says, I was suspended without pay and the company won't tell me when I can get back to work. Is there anything I can do? What do I do? Well, generally speaking, John, an employer does not have a right to suspend without pay. That's a disciplinary measure. That could be a constructive dismissal. If your employer is not telling you when you're going to come back to work, give me a call. I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to send them a letter saying, hey, you have to tell me when he's coming back to work and you have to pay him back for the time that he's been off. Now, if they won't do that, you can treat that as a constructive dismissal and get severance. In many cases, your employer is going to back off and pay you what they owe you and have you back to work. So give me a call. Until next time, lots of information you want to reiterate or talk to Lior in person. You can do that a phone call away, 1-855-821-5900. You want to send an email, you can do that too, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Till next time, right here, the Employment Hour on Talk Radio, AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.